This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. You're listening to the Mostly Harmless Podcast. At least you better be. Welcome to the Most of the Homeless Podcast. I'm your host, Damon Damien. All right, buddies, welcome to the show. Boy, am I excited to have this week's guest. It's been a little while in the making. He actually already appeared on the live talk show. But today we have Mr. Ian Douglas Terry on the show, everyone. I feel like there should be some applause and screaming and hooting and hollering sound effects right there. So you, you just you just pretend at home. You just do it by yourself. Uh, Ian just recently moved to Denver from Omaha. Um, he's a kick-ass comedian, and today we're going to unofficially welcome Ian to Denver. Oh, wait. That's a different podcast, isn't it? Welcome to Denver. This is mostly harmless. Sorry, I get confused sometimes. Now, I don't usually have a lot of comedians on the show. Uh, there are more than enough very talented, very awesome podcasts out there that talk a lot about comedy. I'm just a punk rock dude. I like punk rock things. Luckily for me, Ian is a punk rock dude who likes punk rock things and does things the punk rock way. That's what I like about IDT. He's got this DIY spirit about him. And he just uh he just he just does cool shit. Now, I'm not talking about the name of his uh weekly Thursday night talk show. It takes place in the uh, basement of Three Kings, Cool Shit Weekly. I'm just talking about Ian, because Ian is a guy who like me well, okay, he's he, whatever. Ian's a cool guy who does cool shit. And speaking of cool shit, uh, for those of you who didn't know, Ian's the guy that books the comedy shows at the Fest in Gainesville. Or at least he does now. We're going to talk about that today. You know, uh, every time I went to a comedy show at the Fest, it was packed. Waterwall people. It was incredible. And uh, Ian and Kyle Kinane are the guys who helped make that happen. Now, I know Ian through Kyle Kinane, and Kyle Kinane's been on the show, so it's only fitting that... Ian is the second comedian to be on the show because Kyle introduced me to him on the podcast. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. It's all going round and round and round and round. But Ian took that punk rock spirit he found at the fest and applied it to the comedy in his hometown of Omaha. Uh, he did the Crom Fest in Omaha. This is going to be its third year coming up. And it did so well that it influenced the High Plains comedy guys here in Denver to do their own festival. Now, IDT moves to Denver and decides to bring crom to his new town that's crazy that's pretty punk rock to start a comedy festival and then do two weekends of it in two different cities across the country and uh that's what i like about ian is that nobody he ian didn't wait for permission he went out there and started making his own thing and that's why he's on the show today and that's what we're going to talk about uh we're going to be promoting crom fest for the next month or so leading up to the event. Hopefully, maybe we can get a little Mostly Harmless Live punk rock talk show action going on in there as well. Uh, Crom Fest is going to be Omaha in Omaha on May 22nd through the 24th. CromComedyFest.com for more information. And then he's bringing it to Denver May 29th through 31st. 
crowncomedyfest.com for more information. Oh my God, it's so simple, it's so easy. And we're going to talk all about that here in today's episode. It's a very long chat, so I'm going to try to make this intro quick, but it's already too long. I apologize for you listeners, but uh, we got a new Mostly Harmless Punk Rock talk show this Thursday, April 9th. We're going to be doing it at Mutiny Information Cafe at Broadway in Ellsworth, right across the street from Sputnik and the High Dive. It's going to be a fantastic time. We're going to have free beer from Ratio Beer Works, and uh, we're going to be getting drunk with uh, this month's special guest, uh, comedian Timmy Lassley, comic artist Jake Berry, and musical guest Black Dots, and we're going to be getting drunk. Or at least I'm going to be getting drunk. I don't know about them. And we're going to be talking about uh, our adventures in employment and some of the shitty jobs of our pasts. That's going to be this Thursday, April 9th at Mutiny and brought to you by Ratio Beer Works. It's also at 8 p.m. Visit uh, mostlyharmlesspodcast.com for more information on that. But speaking of Ratio Beer Works, man, those buddies have been kicking some serious ass lately. I'm seriously very happy to call those dudes friends. Um, they've been named one of the hottest new breweries in Denver by a number of publications. And, you know, there's good reason about it. Um, they've been crafting some of the finest new beers I've ever had. And I drink a lot of beers, and these are some great beers. Uh, you can... I, I highly recommend visiting them on Saturday, April 11th. They're going to be releasing the Antidote IPA. Antidote is, of course, named after The Gamut's album and song of the same name. The Gamut's are a legendary Denver pop-punk band. And uh, in celebration of this event, The Gamut's are going to be on hand and playing a short acoustic set that day, April 11th, at Ratio Beer Works. Chad Price, the lead singer from All, one of the lead singers from All, as well as Drag the River is going to be on hand playing some acoustic songs as well. It's going to be a damn good time. I'll be out there uh, making some very excellent decisions in my beer ma- drinking uh, stuff. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about, buddies. Uh, so visit RatioBeerWorks.com for more information. Don't forget to check them out right now. 2920 Larimer Street in the Rhino District of Denver. Uh, you won't regret it. Seriously, one of the best breweries I've ever been to. And I'm very proud to call those dudes friends and thank them for sponsoring the live events as well as my uh, weekly rambling sessions with whoever I can, whoever has no idea what they're in for. Uh, super special thanks to Death Wish Coffee. I'm rambling very, very fast because it's 9 o'clock at night. I just drink half a pot of coffee after working a 10-hour day at Whole Foods. I'm running on fumes, but you never guess it by how fast I'm talking and all the stupid shit coming out of my mouth. Um, so, as you know, the lighter roasted the coffee, the more caffeine. But people want dark roasted coffee and want that caffeine kick. Well, Death Wish has gone out there into the universe and discovered how to make that happen. Uh, they've specially curated these uh, dark roast beans with super high caffeine content. And, uh, man, I drink a pot of this stuff a day. Today is about a pot and a half. Boy, it's going to be a late, late night for me, buddy. So please check out deathwitchcoffee.com. Tell them Mostly Harmless Damien sent you. And uh, let's get into this episode today. Uh, We're going to skip the music this week since this is, you know, Ian's a comedian. Um, It's such a long episode. I don't really want to waste any more time than I already have. I just want to get to the meat of the interview. Uh, If you want to hear some comedy from me and Douglas Terry, please visit MostlyHarmlessPodcast.com. Check out the first of the Mutiny Mostly Harmless Podcast punk rock talk show events uh with ian douglas terry on it he does a short stand-up set and he also like pretty much tries to steal the show out from underneath me it was super fun uh find that at most podcast.com while you're over there like us on facebook subscribe on itunes follow us on stitcher you know just come hang out have a good time write me some hate mail love hate mail i don't get enough of it really i don't 
eat that shit up. Uh, so uh, without any further ado, let's travel to the basement of the Three Kings Tavern in the middle of a Friday afternoon, and let's uh, talk to IDT. I just, like, uh, the way I do comedy is so fucking stupid. I don't write anything. Nothing at all? Well, some, I've, I've lost my notebook. I think it's just <laughs> voodoo. But I'll have, it's like bullet points. Ugh. And like, the previous Thursday, I fucking crushed, and that's not me being weird. It was just perfect. Everything felt good, and then this Thursday, I just got caught where I was like, oh, let's talk about this thing that's not part of the joke about my parents <laughs> and Christmas presents. And then I realized how fucking boring and dumb it was because no one was into it. And I was like, shit, quick. And then I'm like, this all happened in my junior year of high school. Everybody laughed, and I was like, thank God. <laughs> like, I figured out an out that wasn't just, uh... Let's go on to the next thing. It's funny. I was going to ask you about writing, but because, uh, like, I, I mean, I have bullet points too. That's kind of how I do. Like, yeah. I just write notes. Yeah. I'll, uh, and then I will walk around my apartment talking to myself, going like, Yeah. All right. So, what was your first favorite this? And then yeah, it'll yeah. lead to this, and I'll answer it. And then that'll lead to a, basically, I just interview myself, pretending I'm you all day long. That's how I prepare yeah, yeah. for this. And then it just comes, and I'm like, Whoa. How did I get to there? <laughs> but even still, like I'll sit down and actually do one, and it never ever goes any yeah. way. But sometimes you get some cool stuff that way. Comedy writing, like I just, I've finally just admitted that I suck at <laughs> writing because there's people that can, like Zach Reiner, can write perfect short jokes, like boom, 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 and they get just perfect tweets. And there's people I know that are like actual comedy writers that treat Twitter like, oh, yeah. right, you know, got to grind this out, got these today and this. And I literally just tweet the first thing that pops in my head. And sometimes it's funny, but 99% of the time it's just confusing. <laughs> or I'm like drunk or something and just like, ah, I fucking vaped. Like it's just so, <laughs> or I think it's hilarious and I realize like most people don't. And yeah. then I just look like a dummy. Well, like I, I'm trying to, uh, I don't really want to be a comedian, but doing these live talk shows, I'm figuring yeah. out I'm really bad. Well, I'm learning my own comedy chops yeah. in certain ways. And, man, I it, it's funny because you can, like, the last live show I did with, uh, uh, not the one with you, but the other one, and uh, there were a couple jokes I'd have, and I'd be like, oh, this is going to kill. And then <laughs> everybody's just like, like, Jesus Christ, guys, I know I'm yeah. not a real comedian. You know, I'd make fun of myself, and then they'd erupt <laughs> and laughter. The moment I, I acknowledged that it was a bad joke, they Oh, yeah. Crowd, crowds love that. Like, last night, the crowd was kind of... And like not really on board for everything and Sam Talent headlined and he just kept doing like it's a motion so it's not any good for a podcast but like a come on like mm -hmm. huh like with his hands and they would laugh every single so he's just like oh that's all I have to do is like do this and so he just kept doing it and it was super I love shit like that it's <laughs> weird I, I need to come to more con well see I'm the weirdo that will sit like right in here and they'll all I, I sit up front just from punk rock shows. I yeah. don't like being the guy in the back. Nobody's in there. I'm going to sit That's, up front. The, the nice thing about our shows is no one's going to make fun of you for but, sitting up front. But then they all look at you yeah. intently, and it's like, oh, I don't laugh at things. Yeah. I just, yeah. like, chuckle. I'm like hm, like our funny. show, Cool Shit, there's a professional wrestler named Xander Creed who's from here really. who just lost the Lucha Libre and laughs heavyweight title, but he comes and sits. It's like an intimidating, <laughs> muscly dude just sitting in the front, but he loves it. And, but yeah, you know, it's that whole punk rock thing. It's like everybody else is standing in the back with their arms folded. Yep. Well, I'm going to go sit right up front and be engaged yeah, as yeah. much as you can be. Um, and sometimes it backfires. Yeah. But, well, that's, uh, that's how I've always treated comedy like that. 
Like, I've literally done five open mics in my entire life. Hmm. One here. I did the Squire <laughs> before it, like, year, a couple of years ago. So before it was whatever it is now that everyone says it's nothing like it used to be, which I don't know. <laughs> and then I did a few in Omaha. I just never, that never, like, called to me as something. And a lot of people, they do shitloads of open mm-hmm. mics and they get really good, and that's great. But me, I was way into more like watching comedians and I'd yeah. watch performances and like just either pick up like something or, or I don't know. I feel like I learned more of that than just getting drunk and doing the same jokes over and over yeah. at fucking dive bars. But I'm also an idiot. So well, yes. Well, I had made this note for a question to ask of you, kind of sort of a question to ask of you. Uh, let me find where it is because I put it a little bit further on down. I didn't know we were just going to jump into all this stuff, buddy. I guess we're already we can, recording. We can, we can start over. No, fuck that. <laughs> we're already doing it. Starting over. Hello. Oh, by the way, we're in the uh, Phoenix room. Is that what this is called now? That's what Jim calls it. I just call it the Three Kings basement, yeah. so it's less confusing. Yeah. with Cause, So people know exactly where it is, because Phoenix room could be fucking anywhere. Yeah. It could be like a weird opium den. <laughs> it's It's got a nice echo in here. But yeah. I'm sure that's great when there's big live show upstairs oh yeah well it's 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 not as bad we it's turning into a cool really cool room it's the perfect room for comedy because it's this low ceiling nice and long it's very intimate which is perfect for comedy you don't want to be in like a upstairs is difficult for comedy yeah because there's so much shit happening the ceiling's really high so this is good it's just you know starting to make people aware that there's like literally a free show every single Thursday that we do, and then Saturday nights too. That uh, yeah, that Eric and Corey do. So that's what we're working on now, just kind of getting the word out there that you can come see free comedy yeah. and just I th- drink. I think I've seen more comedy in Three Kings than anywhere else in Denver. Yeah, I can which see is that. which is mostly just by uh, proximity because I live second in Bannock, so it's oh, yeah. like right there. Yeah, and this, uh, is the be- this is the neighborhood where I wanted to be. I don't want to be downtown. Where are you? Are you down here? I live in the just south of the Highlands in Jefferson Park, cool. which is like close enough to everything, but like not in yeah. everything where there's still parking and shit like that. <laughs> uh, back, you, you were talking about how you you don't do open mics; you're just a guy that gets up here and riffs. Yeah, I wanted, I, this is what I wrote. Uh, well, I wrote this. You know, I write the scripts. I don't know why I'm explaining too much, but anyway, what I, what I was thinking was like your comedy has this kind of aggression behind it. Yeah. Or at least what you know, what I've seen of it. Yeah. Um, it's got some anger. It's got some bite, and uh, it, it it feels like that very same essence, that very same thing that attracted me to punk rock when yeah. I was a kid. It's got an aggression. It's got a bite. Yeah, you were a punk rock kid, um, and you just get up here and rip and just let. What are you working through when you get up here? Um, basically, for the majority of what I do, I haven't. An ending and a begin or beginning and ending, which I'm very good with premises. And there's a lot of comedians like this, great premises, and then they just don't go anywhere. And I've been trying to combat that and actually have an ending <laughs> where I'm not just like, here's here's an idea that I'm going to talk about until we just stop. Yeah. Um, and like, because I was in punk bands for a decade, from 15 to 25. And How just, old are you now? I'm 34 now. Cool. So, like, 25, I got out of music, and I didn't do anything. I moved to Atlanta, lived there, not doing anything. I'd go to shows, and it felt weird because everyone's young, and I'm just like, all right. And I was, like, engaged, had a house and a dog and all that, and then that fell apart. Drove straight back to Nebraska, and then probably within a year, then started doing sketch comedy. 
because at the time I thought sketch comedy was the shit because of Mr. Show, Kids in the Hall, Upright Citizens Brigade, all that stuff. I was like, why would anybody do stand-up? Because I thought stand-up, the only in Omaha, Nebraska, there was one comedy club and no open mics. And it was a terrible, shitty comedy club that was just, ugh. They don't even deserve for me to call them an Applebee's with a stage anymore. But, uh, and that was it. So my idea of stand-up was just shitty, like, hack garbage. And then I heard Kyle Kinane's Death of the Party. Like, a friend of mine was like, you have to listen to this. And I was like, oh, great. And I listened to it. And I was like, whoa, holy shit. This is someone, like, that's tapped into the same mindset that, like, got me into punk rock. Where it made it accessible. And, and you know what's funny is Cal Canaan's the guy who introduced me to you. He was like, "Yeah, you got to check out Ian." Yeah, check out Ian. Yeah, he's he's here. We are, dude. Right? Dude's done more for comedy than anybody. Like his touring created so many. Well, one, it created so many versions of him. Where <laughs> there's yeah. so many comedians across the U.S. Which him and I talked about it. Where he's, I think he said something along the lines of. Just a bunch of bearded dudes who think they can just get drunk and not write jokes. And I was like, that sounds about right. <laughs> but uh, he also encouraged a lot of people. To just, there's so many people I know now that are like killing it in different scenes. And the reason they started doing stand-up was they saw Kyle come through. So him doing like his Johnny Appleseed tours created so much cool shit. So it's awesome that to be considered like you know someone that he thinks is cool it's like well fuck and I think I I, I think I told him I was like you're the reason I started doing stand up and he was just like ugh god damn it like the I feel like if I did stand up and uh, somebody was telling me it's inevitable you're gonna do it I'm like no I don't want to I just want to be a talk show host yeah but uh, I think if I did do stand up it'd be a lot along his lines yeah just because I'm a fat bearded dude who likes to drink too much yeah yeah and that's <laughs> you know that was like his thing the thing I like about what he does now is he said he was he wants to try to only talk about positive stuff instead of just because there's so many comedy is such a self-deprecating thing and like you were saying when you host when you make fun of yourself is when yeah. you're getting laughs so it's a lot of self-deprecation which is fine but like to be able to like and that's when like Bands, comedians, writers, anybody loses their edge is the second they're successful and comfortable because they're no longer hungry and they're no longer like, what can I, I'm not fucking eating pizza every day and getting drunk every night. What's interesting about me now? I'm working out, like I'm riding bikes. Like how do, how could I make this funny? So that's, it's cool to see him like now and the stuff he's doing now and how it's like evolved. It's real dope. But uh, what was the original question? I already forgot. I don't know. It was just talking about those punk rock roots. Oh, yeah. Getting into comedy and somebody gave you Death of the... Yeah. Death of the Party? Death of the Party. I love that record. Again. It's like, so fucking playing. great. And, like, hearing that was exactly like when I heard Dookie in eighth grade. Because music was always just something that you see someone and you're like, I could never do that. Yeah. That's insane. Like, I could dream about doing that, but I could never do it. And then the first, um, first Green Day video I saw, I was like, holy shit, I could do that. I'm pretty sure I could do that. And then I got a guitar when I was 15 and like started a band and it was just god-awful and all that. But I think that's once I saw that stand-up comedy was accessible and it wasn't just for huge like stadiums and all that shit that you see. It's just regular fucking people like talking about the shit that matters to them. It's not someone just being offensive and shitty. It's, you know, there's a lot to it. There's just interesting perspectives and it's very punk rock and yeah. DIY, which I love. I'm just all about that. So, uh, you know, you get this guitar at 15 years old. You know, I, I had the problem when I was 
all the way up into my 20s, I was waiting for somebody to hand me a golden ticket and be like, you can go do this thing. Yeah. I never, it, it took me into my late 20s to figure out, I don't need that permission. I should just go fucking do this. Now. Yeah. But you figured that out at 15. Yeah. How did you figure that out? Um, I had. Especially real, living in Nebraska. Uh, yeah, yeah. In the middle of nowhere where MTV was literally everything. Yeah. That's, how else would I ever, in Columbus, Nebraska, population 24,000. Two hours away from Omaha, which was the closest where there's actual culture happening. But uh, yeah, like my parents were just, because I was the youngest child, very entitled and shitty. <laughs> and they, they're like, well, he wants a guitar, get him a guitar. And then I just remember when I looked at Dookie, there was a thanks list and there were bands mentioned. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna check out Rancid, I'm gonna check yeah. out Lagwagon, I'm gonna check, and then, you know, then you, get into those bands, check their thanks list, then like Lookout Records had a catalog that you could go through. And then I got into Suburban Home Records, like, cause they had a catalog type thing too. Yeah. And, I, and I've told Virgil that a million times. I was like, dude, you have no idea what, like, that what you did was so like influential to me in like Columbus, Nebraska, which is like eight hours away. Yeah. And how huge that was. Same with Jason from the Fairlands. Yeah. Where I was like, dude, I've, we came to Denver when I was 19 to go to Warp Tour, and I did not watch Blink-182 because I had to see the Fairlands. I was like, fuck, fuck Blink-182, dude. I gotta see the fucking Fairlands. And he's just like, wow, that's crazy. And it's like, yeah, dude, it is. Yeah. So it's just, oh, man. But as far as, like, it's, and that's the, that's the big thing. Because Omaha had no scene. There was the one comedy club, an open mic 45 minutes away in Lincoln, Nebraska. And the thing was, well, you had to you had to get in good with that club and be one of the five people that they'd put up. And it was like, fuck, why? Why, why bother? Like, yeah. if that's the only way to do it, that's stupid. We can do our own thing. And so we just started DIY comedy shows, which in the beginning were god-awful and terrible, <laughs> like any kind of DIY stuff. And just built up until eventually... Like, Omaha is now a place that's known for f- fucking good comedy and good rooms. The best room in Omaha is a dive bar that cursed them. Yeah, yeah. And it's because that was my favorite bar, the only place that I really f- could fucking cut loose and have fun. That's like, let's bring comedians here. And, like, Adam Caton Holland from here is now just super... His goal now is to be the dude that opens a version of Oliver's here. He wants to, That's his measure of success. It's the same as Cursive and Connor from Bright Eyes. Just open a bar in your hometown and just, you're that dude. You just own a bar in your hometown and it's the shit. I, I guess I need to go back there. I had a bad experience when I was at Oliver's. I was the roadie tour manager for uh, Arliss Nancy and the uh, mm-hmm. bartender pissed me off because he's like, roadies don't get drink tickets. <laughs> I could probably imagine which bartender it was. And, I was <laughs> and you know, it was towards the end of a four and a half week tour and I'm just fucking tired. Yeah, dude. I'm just, just was pissed off it's, all fucking night long. That's, that's what I like about Olivers. Is yeah. it's, a, it's a tough nut to crack. Yeah. But once you're, once like you're accepted and you're like, now I just go and it's like Ted from Cursives, like, do you want a shot? Let's fucking get yeah. wasted. And all the bartenders know me, and they all know that I left, and they're real pissed about it. <laughs> but that's 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 a very punk rock thing too. Like, you can't just walk in. Like, Three Kings is the same oh, way. Yeah. Like, you can't just show up and be like, here I am. You have to like, Earn it. people have to be like, this guy's yeah. cool. This guy's doing something. Like, yeah, I, I made that mistake when I moved to Denver because I moved uh, right around the same time you did, yeah. about a year and a half ago. You've been here a year. 
No, not even since August. Oh, okay. Well, I've been here a year and a half now. Yeah. When I first got here, you know, I lived in the Springs for 12 years. Mm-hmm. I was like, I know everybody in the music scene here. I should just be able to sail yeah. out to the top. They're like, well, it doesn't matter. No, you're at the fucking bottom, and then I've had to work my way up. Yeah, so, dude. And, it, you know, I, did, I, I made some bad choices because I've... We're 2020 vision, you know, we're retrospect on all yeah, that crap, yeah. but now it's like, oh, why wasn't I... Anyway, but anyway, <laughs> you have to work your way up. Yeah. Like it you took have... me a while to... Yeah, like Olivers too. Like when we first start doing shows there, the regulars were like kind of shitty and heckly, and like just like who are these idiots? But then like we got accepted. Eventually, we earned their fucking respect, and that they're all into our shit now. Like most of them come to Crom and just like that's the best you guys are doing. Like <laughs> the best. It's yeah. such a cool thing. And just like for me personally, like growing up, just like Saddle Creek was always kind of this thing where they made. They made music cool in Omaha. They made Omaha yeah. cool to so many fucking people. And a lot of people resented that. I always thought it was cool, but it just wasn't really my style of music. I was more like pop punk and hardcore music, which just was a weird mix. But I always dug cursive, never really into Bright Eyes, and The Faint was just the standard music that played at every single party I was at. So it was just like, yep, that's the party music. But uh, like just being now being able to be pals with the cursive dudes is like mind-blowing where it's like oh like we're like actual friends and it's very strange just be like those are the dudes that created this we're part of a huge thing someone's moving the entire pool table yeah i was about to say (laughs) but uh like yeah and it's it's crazy like because they were like the kings like just the big and what i take immense pride in is that they think what we did in Omaha is so cool. And they're like, what you guys did is amazing. It's yeah. so cool that you guys made your own scene, made it, made comedy cool. Because it wasn't cool. It was shitty. Like, that comedy club's clear out in the suburbs where you have to drive 40 minutes where it's the part of, kind of, the part of town where uh, if you play jazz music out loud, the cops show up. Where it's not a cool part of town. It's a terrible part of town. And just that we brought it to actual Omaha and then we... You know, we st- they still do shows in Connor's Bar, Page Turners, yeah. and it's just just that's that's why I don't really give a shit about what comedians say. Comedians will be like, "Oh, this guy doesn't go to open mics. This guy's whatever." This you know, but the fact that I opened for those dudes twice is just like, all right, that's all I need. People that I think did huge, amazing things yeah. respect what I do. That's all I give a shit about. Well, <laughs> it's it, such an arrogant thing, but it's like, I don't care what anybody else says. Well, and that's what I like about you and what I, why I wanted to talk to you specifically. I don't like having a lot of comedians on here because every podcast yeah. out there is about comedians. But you're doing your... There's no one path. Yeah. You've got your own... You've mapped out this yeah. own, like... Uh, Robert Frost-esque road yeah. and you're doing your own fucking... I've life. said that a million times, too, because new comedians will be like what should I do? And I'm always like, go to open mics. Mm -hmm. Like, well, you don't go to open mics. I'm like, I don't, it doesn't matter. You should like, (laughs) don't, you shouldn't try to do exactly what I did because it's a miracle. I'm able to do half the shit that I get to do. And like, it's, I get like comedians. It's very, I don't know, man. It's very strange. There's a lot of like, in any scene, there's drama, there's, like, people being shitty to each other, there's people, like, trying to play politics and stuff. Like, it happens in punk rock bands. Yeah. I'm sure it happens in art. I'm sure it happens in ballet. Like, everything, there's that happening. And with comedy, it was like, I don't really care. Like, Comedy Works is one of the best comedy clubs in the nation. 
I've done it once because I haven't tried to. I haven't put any effort into it, and it's nothing against comedy works. Like, I would love to do it, but in my mind, I was like, that's what everyone's trying to do right now. Everyone's going for that. So I'm just going to fuck around and, like, see what else is out there for a while and get myself established where, you know, next year I'll try to be like, all right, here we go. We're gunning for it. Like, I, I care more about hanging out with wrestlers right now than, like, trying to get in with comedy people. How, how much of what you're doing, uh, you know, on stage and whatnot comes from those wrestling memories? As a kid? Oh, dude. That, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Man. Yeah. Like, and I think that's where, like, me... Part of me wanting to do comedy is we were already we were in a shitty pop punk band where we had banter, which you've seen a lot of that. Where it's sometimes it's really funny, sometimes it's real terrible. And the worst is when like a scary metal band tries to do silly fun banter, where it's like, oh, thanks for completely taking. We're like, hey, all right. <laughs> but uh, that was like my first where I was already comfortable on stage and talking, and like uh, professional wrestling, dude. I think about wrestling more. I listen to wrestling podcasts. I've gotten more from wrestling podcasts than I have comedy podcasts. Because comedy podcasts, it's all just like... I think people that listen to a lot of comedy podcasts then just feel like they're part of like the L.A. scene. Like, oh, I know like what's going on, and this person's cool. And, this, and it's like, you just listen to podcasts. Yeah. I listen to Stone Cold's podcast, and I've gotten so much more like mentally and performance-wise from that. Just like them... Because there's really huge parallels between comedy and wrestling and even punk rock there's parallels where it's all three are very DIY very like you're on the road a lot oriented very like performance mindset where like the combination of those things like it is what I put into comedy and I'm going to be a wrestling manager now are you? yeah the next Lucha Libre and laughs <laughs> I think it's supposed to be a surprise, but who cares? Yeah, I mean, five people will listen to this. Yeah, it's yeah. Okay, you know? So I'm managing some dudes. We're called the Denim Club, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> I'm really... That's, I've, I've been rehearsing my, like, promo. I'm going to cut as their manager. More, I, I haven't rehearsed comedy in, yeah. like, a year. <laughs> or more than that. Jesus, like, three years. <laughs> but I, and I think that's where the different paths thing is all about that, dude. Like, yeah. I cared more about being friends with, like, the dudes running cool venues and the dudes in cool bands because that's, like, where I'm from. And it's, like, you know, that's, those are the pe my people and who I want to be down with, like, the high-dive dudes and the dirty few dudes. Like, I want to party with them. I don't want to fucking party with comedians. Comedians are nerds. <laughs> and now it's, like, the wrestlers. It's, like, fuck, like, I did Lucha Libre and Laughs, I think it was, like, three months ago, and Chris Hero, they brought him in. And that was a dude who I'd been a fan of since, like, my early 20s. And so just doing a show with that guy was insane. And then I was told during my set, because I approached the set where I'm going to throw as many, like, insider wrestling things as I can as possible into my normal shit. And uh, I guess during my set, I riffed on how the rope height... I was like, you guys realize this, how high the top rope is, is where Kevin Nash's dick is, right? Because he'd always step over it. And so I was just like standing next to it and just riffing on that. <laughs> and I guess Chris Hero was watching and went back into where all the dudes are. He's like, this fucking guy's great. I was told that and I was like, that's amazing. The next day he hits me up on Twitter and we go out to eat and hang out. And now it's like casual dudes where he's like, I got to come back to Denver soon. And it's like, I fucking like 
holy shit. I feel, <laughs> I feel bad. I have no idea who that is. Oh, dude, you should watch some Chris Hero shit. He's great. He's yeah. And he's been around fucking ever in the indies, and he was in WWE for, like, a year and then got shit canned. He was in, like, the the training, the NXT, which Sammy Six Guns Jr. that lives here is one of the dudes I'm going to manage. He was in NXT for two years, which is just, like, training. There's, oh, fucking wrestling so fascinating. I could talk for, like, four hours well, about wrestling. I mean, I, I listened to Mick Foley on, what oh, the, yeah. on WTF the mm-hmm. other day, and I'm like, fuck. Yeah. I want to get into it. He was always, he, I didn't like, re- you know, I missed the wrestling boat. Oh, yeah. But I remember always watching Mankind and being like, yeah. look at this fucking guy. Yeah. You know, and uh, he made wrestling accessible to a lot of people where yeah. it was just ripped, tan, fucking crazy bodybuilders, and then all of a sudden, fucking dumpy ass mankind <laughs> comes along. And that's like spawned so, so many like of the current wrestlers were just huge mankind fans, which is awesome. He's the shit, yeah. that's for sure. So, do you think, uh, think this wrestling thing is going to be the next big thing for your future? I don't know. <laughs> I kind of like it's going to be fun, like. And I'm getting followed by all kinds of wrestlers now, which to me is like, I get followed by comedians all the time. And it's yeah. like, it just makes me nervous because I'm like, oh, great. Now I have to be funny or fucking, or like, you know, this big comedian's going to think I'm a fucking douchebag. I need to be funny. And then I just get high and talk about vaping <laughs> and realize they probably don't follow me. Yeah. But like the wrestlers, it's like, that's something else. I know I, I'll never be able to wrestle. I'll never be able to do the shit they do. So it's still amazing to me. Especially how accessible it is here just to go watch, like Lucha Libre and Laughs. God, they're doing free shows now. And those shows are amazing. Like to watch dudes, and then you see them backstage, and it's like a 20 year old, like they take their Lucha Libre mask off, and it's just some 20 year old dude. And it's like, Jesus Christ, I just saw you do a bunch of flips. And it's just amazing. Like, I think that's why I love wrestling so much, is because one, it's just an amazing thing, like the backstage and all that shit. But two, I'll never be able to do it. Right. But to be able to be close to it is, like, fucking thrilling. But I don't know. I don't know. Like, I have tons of, like, comedy shit in the works that's pretty great. That most of it's due to Fest. Because yeah. that's fucking coming up. We can, I could talk about booking stuff and how much that sucks. Okay. <laughs> I mean, let's get in. We'll get into that, too. Yeah. Um, hold, we'll hold yeah. that thought. But you're doing cool shit weekly down here. Mm-hmm. Wrestling is, like, a main theme. Yeah, and I'm noticing more and more of the comedy guys coming out of the closet about their wrestling. Yeah, that's like a big That's a big that's thing right do. now. That's a big, and some people are shitting on it. Like, oh, all of a sudden everyone likes wrestling. It's like, fucking, who cares? Everyone liked Lost for a while. I, there was no reason to shit on Lost. It was great. Yeah. There's just stuff that wrestling's very exciting right now. Like the big WWE shit's very cool, and like there's young wrestlers, and it's not like and that's like the aesthetic for cool shit is one, it's just hilarious to put old wrestlers on a flyer and that says cool shit. I think that's hilarious. Like, the hit, Brett the Hitman Hart was the first one. I was like, that looks so dope. Just Brett the Hitman Hart and says cool shit. Like, what else do you want? And so we just kind of stuck with that. And then playing wrestling before the shows is like, like last night we played WrestleMania six with Hogan versus Warrior. And we just sat, like, it was a bunch of people just watching the main event, like, like, laughing with their asses off because it was so silly they did the test of strength where they grab hands for like eight minutes <laughs> like it was so like compared to like now it's like no one had to, and Xander is here and he's just like I can't believe how little these guys had to work to, and the crowd's just 
losing their minds. And then I try to play like new shit, like uh, Lucha Underground's a new show on the El Rey network that's insane, like Robert Rodriguez's oh, yeah, yeah. network. And it's, they shoot it like a soap opera where all the stuff happening is like behind the scenes, super well shot, like a movie. And then the wrestling's insane. And then like New Japan, I play a lot of that too, just because that's real dope. But yeah, it's, I, I think that's the thing. Like, you look at a flyer for a comedy show, and there's a microphone, and here's a bunch of pictures of people. And it's oh, like, yeah. ha, 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 laugh. Like, you've seen that a million fucking times. You see a fucking comedy show flyer that says cool shit, and has a picture of the fucking Undertaker on it. You're like, what the fuck is this? I, I, th- <laughs> I, th- I think when I decided to do the Mostly Harmless talk shows, the live ones, I think I unintentionally ripped you guys off with the wrestling. I'm like, because uh, we do that dumb game that I haven't quite figured out how to make yeah. work. Uh, where it's like, who said it? This wrestler, this wrestler, this person. Dude, that's such I a think, fun game. Though. I think I stole it unintentionally. Or seeing those flyers yeah. all the time. No, it's that's like where good. I got that that's, idea. So I think the you're, more people talking about wrestling is bad for the best. And it's what's funny is, is you're getting I'm getting all these people like coming out of the closet on this show, like, Oh, I love wrestling. It's yeah. Like, you? Okay, all right. Yeah. Maybe I'm missing something. I need to get into it. There were people that came out just because they saw a wrestler on the flyer, but they understood that it was still a comedy right. show. But they're like, "I think that's interesting." So then they yeah. came out and they're like, "Wow, that's just to do something different." Yeah. I hate, I just hate the idea of doing the same, like right. trying yeah. to follow someone else's path. It's just way funner just to be weird. And, but and that's that whole punk rock thing. Like, yeah, I was trying to explain to somebody the other day, and they called me a hipster. I was like, "I've always been against the grain. If something's popular, I want to do something yeah. different." You know, I was a BMX kid because everybody else was skateboarding. Yeah, dude. And I was like, "I'm gonna go do this BMX thing when nobody else was doing it." You know? Yeah. And they're like, "You're a fucking hipster." Now I'd be labeled. I am labeled a hipster. Oh yeah, you know? but that's that's the laziest that. labeling, anyways. Yeah. Now it's just anyone with a beard and glasses. You're yeah. a hipster. We're, we're old enough to remember when everything was alternative. Oh, dude. It's like, oh, that's alternative. That's alternative. <laughs> One of Everything's the, alter- one of the first like blog rants I ever wrote <laughs> was about hipsters. Yeah. Because in my mind, hipsters were the people that didn't do shit. They just showed up and dressed weird. Yeah. And they didn't contribute to anything. And that's what's always been a hipster to me. And now it's fucking rest of culture got a hold of it. And it's like anyone that dresses like they are not still in college is a hipster. <laughs> like you're not wearing a husker sweatshirt, you're a hipster. Yeah. And it's like, dude. It's so much more deep than that. There's crust punks. There's fucking. There's mall punks. There's so many different kinds of like humans. There's metal dudes, Hessians. It's very diverse. It's not just hipster. There's indie rock nerds. There's fucking shoegaze nerds. Like it's. But that makes me a hipster because I'm way into labeling. I guess. Yeah, I guess right. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I'm. If someone wants to call me hip, hell yeah, dog. I'm cool as hell. I'm way cooler. I know more about everything than most people do. That's how I feel. <laughs> me too. Kind of some days. Um, so you mentioned the fest. Yeah. I ran into you at the fest. Yeah, dude. I don't remember which set, but it was at the main plaza. Yeah, the outdoor thing that they started um, doing. I don't know if it was... I think it was Chicks Diggit I might have ran into. Right? Yeah. But I tried to drink 100 beers that weekend. I made it somewhere around 70. <laughs> I don't remember a lot of that weekend. And yeah, I know dude. that everyone I ran into, I was like, ah! Yeah, yeah. But uh, you book the fest. Well, the, the comedy. comedy fest. I could, well, I no. would fucking die if I had to yeah. book the actual. I can imagine actually booking the comedy scene yeah. itself is a well, sure. Like, that that's just another thing that uh, like because I've been going to the fest since fest four, so this will be ten years. I missed a couple years in between just because you know yeah. two broke. This was my first one, and I wanted really? to make it memorable. Yeah, and I don't remember any of it now. <laughs> that was me during the early fest. Now I just don't really drink. But uh, 
how that all came about was three or four years ago, Kinane, like hit him up and wanted to do it. So like, oh, okay, I guess we'll have comedy. Because Tony, the dude that runs the entire fucking thing, one of the best dudes I've ever met in my fucking life. Like the coolest, chillest dude ever. Who I owe. He would hate me saying anything, but that dude's the shit. And uh, he was just like, oh, okay, I don't know anything about comedy. Like, all right. And so Kinane had a show, and it was him, John Michael Bond, and Luke Fields uh, from Atlanta and Athens, and an, uh, a UCB touring group from New York that just ate shit and hated being there. But I think they had contacted the fest, and Tony was just kind of like, uh, comedy, I guess, sure. Yeah. And then it was just like the weirdest. And I sat in the front row and just watched, and I was like, holy shit, John Michael Bond. Like, we'd never met Luke Fields. I was like, wow, these dudes are... And there were like some locals on there, but I don't think they even do it anymore. But, uh, and it was just like, holy shit, Kyle Kinane, who was like, you know, just the best. And I think at that time, we hadn't met. Yeah, we had not met the first time I saw it. Because I think we eventually hooked up through him coming through Omaha and us putting on shows. I want to say, I could be incorrect, but I remember, yeah, because I'm pretty sure I didn't talk to anyone at that show. I just sat and watched. And then I like started following John Michael on Twitter, and it was just like, "You're great." And Were you like, doing comedy at that point? Yeah, yeah. I had just because if it was four years ago, I was like one to two years in ish, because I started doing sketch for like a year and a half before I did stand up. But uh, I was, but I was just like, "Wow!" I was just like, "Wow, this is fucking ridiculous!" Like, this is my goal now is to do this show next year. And the next year I did it through then between those times I'd met Kyle and helped, helped him get shows in Omaha and stuff and became pals. And then, so I got to do it the next year. And then, uh, Kyle was like, I don't want to book this anymore. Will you do it? And I was like, sure. And so now, like <laughs> now I like book the whole thing, yeah. which grew from being like those, you know, first year was three stand up comedians. Last year it was like fucking 20 or something ridiculous. Yeah. It, yeah. it was just like an ordeal, which I think this year I'm pulling back a little bit yeah. and like having less people. I, I know I stopped by the comedy uh, set a couple times and every yeah. time it was packed. It was packed. Packed. Dude, and that's what blows my mind. But because there's punk, punk rock kids are into comedy. Yeah. They just don't see it a lot. Like a lot of scenes don't have an Olivers and they don't have this. So they're just like, what? Like. I only know Aziz Ansari because he's on TV. Like, they know that. But Kanane got enough of, like, a name and word out from doing what he does. And last year we had Chris Gethard, who's the yeah. same way, where fucking punk kids just know him because he's done so much cool shit and worked with, like, so many bands and stuff, where I feel like that's a good draw. But it's also just so different from everything else happening during the fest. Like, it's during the day. You can sit. You usually already got fucking shithoused for two days straight. So it's like, I'm just going to sit and laugh for There's a while. air conditioning. Yeah. And then we did Tampa, the pre-fest, for the first time last year. And I thought it was going to be awful. Like, the venue was kind of weird. There was no one, like, there. And I was like, God damn it. And then it was just packed where people yeah. could not get in. And Tony's just like, what? He's like, what the fuck do you guys do? Like, I don't know. He's like, this is great. I don't understand it. <laughs> and so, like, I'm now his go-to for every email he gets about comedy sends to me. Nice. And he's like, I don't know, man. Like, Gethard's coming back this year for sure. He's bringing a couple New York people. There's, we might go like a little more, because we've reached out to so many big comedians. And one, it's not a lot of money. And two, they're not like 
into the music, which that's the thing. That's, and people talk shit about it the first year. They're like, oh, such diversity. It's like, yeah, it turns out the only dudes you can get to do this for free are dudes that already really like, or the only people you can get to do it for free are fucking dumpy bearded dudes that yeah. just like, fest, I've wanted to go my entire life. And it's, that's just the breaks. But last year we brought in a lot of female comedians that crushed and like, it's just, we're trying to be diverse, but fest is such a specific music, yeah. like subsection of people where it's very weird. Like, there's like, Tony was sending me some of the bands that hit him up and it's like just funk bands and just bands that like everyone wants to play it. Cause they think it's a huge thing. They don't get it, but it's like very specific. So there was, you know, we tried to get big female comedians and none of them bit. So it was like, God damn, it's such booking comedy and trying to be diverse is very frustrating. Oh, and I think a lot of people don't understand that because they, they'll look at just a show and be like, oh, you only have one black person and one woman and all these white guys. And it's like, that's how it fucking shook out. I tried my damnedest <laughs> to get all these female comedians. And it's different in every scene. Like in L.A., there's so many yeah. amazing female comedians where it's not a problem. But goddamn, in the Midwest, dude. Omaha has like, I'll say that like two or three female comedians. It's crazy. So it's like, fuck, it's hard to like be diverse when the bench you're working with is not too deep. So that's fest this year though. It's going to be like international flavor. There's like an Australian comedian, an Irish comedian and a French Canadian dude who books a comedy show at Pooza Fest. Is that what it's called? Cool. Yeah. 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 That dude's the shit. I'm so like, are you going to go to Pooza Fest now? Not this year, okay. just because it's right before Crom. Oh, yeah, yeah, But I think we're going to work out. I just, I want to go do Montreal and Toronto, and that dude's like, hell yeah. Like, come up here. Yeah. And the pup dude's uh, Zach from Pup, who s- sent me a Facebook message a year ago, and it went to my other. Oh, so I didn't see it, because we, were, oh. we weren't friends. And they open it up, and it's this dude like, hey, my name's Zach. Uh, my buddy Kevin White in Chicago told me about you guys doing fest and doing comedy. That's so awesome. I love comedy. I'm the drummer for this band called Pup. And I was like, I literally like a week before that had heard their album was like, this is the best shit ever. So I was just like, whoa, hell yeah. So then at fest, it was just like running to him and him coming to our shows. And it's like, dude, you're in like the best band right now. Like Pup is the shit. If you don't listen to Pup, you're insane. Like they're so goddamn good. And, like, he's like, you should come up to Canada. And it's like, fuck, dude. Like, okay. Where was this a year ago? Like, and now that I know people that book shows there, it's like, why the fuck not? And then Australia and Ireland. Like, Ireland's, I think doing a show in Ireland, personally for me, is, like, my, a lot of people, it's like doing a talk show, like a fucking Conan or something. If I did a show in Ireland, I could be like, I'm great. I'm happy. Because that's, my family is so tied in Ireland. Like, my dad's obsessed with it like our fucking family tree we went to a civil war battlefield where our ancestor who was conscripted to fight for the north stood fighting uphill against the south and just stand there was just like whoa holy shit like this is real this is and so ireland like they've gone my parents have gone a bunch of times but i've never been and so i think my goal is to do i i just want to go to ireland just to begin with and if i can do one or two shows holy shit dude like that's amazing and the, like fest is like making a lot of that happen. It was all just you know handed to me by Kyle, <laughs> and then Tony being so cool and helpful and just like you know what you're doing. Well, I had emailed Tony a couple of years ago and was like, hey man, I want to do something with uh, fest. This is my podcast. I've got seven episodes. Yeah. He's like, I love it. Let's do something. And I never followed up on that. Yeah. Now, listen to you. I'm like, fuck. Why don't yeah, I follow dude. up on that? Yeah, dude. Tony's 
the best. And then, like, Fest basically inspired Crom, which is the festival I run. Yeah. I had that written down because I yeah. could, you know. Yeah. Um, Crom. I could tell. Because the thing about comedy is it used, there's big festivals, and everyone's goal is to get into Bridgetown. That's the big, cool festival in Portland. And, like, my whole mindset was, like, there's festivals that are competitions, which I fucking hate any kind of comedy competition that's not just fun and goofy and drunk. Something where it's, like, serious, I think it's just silly, and it just doesn't resonate with me at all. But, uh, and then there's festivals that are, like, Bridgetown, where when you make it onto Bridgetown, it's like a step up in your career. If you make it to fucking Montreal just for laughs, you're, like, ready for the, the real shit. But... Like, seeing that and then having Fest every year, it's like, I want to have a comedy version of Fest. Yeah. And I want to have it in Omaha, because Omaha's the shit. And more people need to know how fucking just amazing Omaha is. Every time we'd bring a comedian, like, OK Party, the group I was in for a couple years. Named after a Dillinger Poor song? Yeah. OK FMDOA was the original group name. which And then Party was a different group, and we combined, and those guy, that guy eventually quit. But we just kept the names. It's confusing. People think we're from Oklahoma. I thought that the first time. Yep. But uh, it was better than OKFMDOA because that just confused the shit out of people. Which, if you want to see some really fucking weird sketch videos, look up OKFMDOA on Funny or Die. We (laughs) we almost won a contest to make a video with Will Ferrell. We got third place. Just do shitty DIY punk rock dudes making weird sketches. But uh, I, I wanted to make something... For people like me, like I try to get in Bridgetown every year. I'm a white male comedian. That's I, I'll say it right now. I'm a fucking mid carder. <laughs> I'm like a mid card comedian. Yeah. I know I'm not, you know, the shit, but I've done it long enough, and I've done enough things where I know I'm not, you know, like a fucking jobber jabroni. But uh, for people like me and people with the DIY mindset and the punk mindset, because what I found out is there are people in every city like me. Chicago, you know, you have Goodrich Gavart. Zach Peterson now, who's originally from Omaha. Atlanta, John Michael Bond. Uh, fucking L.A. There's L.A. comedians that are just very punk and DIY mindset. And it was bringing all those people together. One, to have an amazing party. And two, to make the, everyone friends. Like, I wanted all the people I'd met to become friends. And yeah. just have, like, okay, now they know someone in Chicago. Now they know someone in Denver. Where it's, like, this great, like, we had this whole dream of making a DIY chain of shows across the US where anybody could tour. And it's kind of like that, but it's not because that's a fucking ambitious thing to try to do. But you can definitely like go to Atlanta and have a bunch of good, good shows. You can come here, like the Fine Gentleman's Club. They have that DIY mindset. Yeah. And it's... How, how was that tour that you did to Fest? Oh, it was... It was, it, uh, it was interesting. Because it was basically... We knew it was going to be weird... Because some of the shows were booked through Fest, because they basically, quote-unquote, sponsored the tour. And then some were through people that Dave knew. And the shows that were booked through Fest were, like, music, punk rock music people that didn't really know how to handle comedy. So some of the shows were weird, but some of them were really good. Like, St. Augustine, Florida was the biggest fucking surprise I've ever had in my life, where it was just the dopest show. Because comedy doesn't exist there. There's a punk rock scene, and so all the punk kids came out to watch comedy and just fucking blew their minds were like we should maybe do this and so that was amazing but uh it was fun man me dave and zach peterson it was fun it was definitely got where i was just sick of it (laughs) a couple times which happens and it was brutal and that drive from austin to denver about fucking killed me that was ridiculous yeah 
That was, I'd never want to do that again. But it was cool to see, like we got to do shows in Atlanta, which I'd had some bad experiences in Atlanta, but then that trip, it was like, dude, there's so many awesome DIY things happening. Where now I want to do a crom next year in Atlanta, because there's just cool, young DIY people who are stoked about it. Where it's like, fuck yeah, why not? They don't really, they have like a competition festival at Laughing Skull, which is great, but they need like a party fest. And then New Orleans, never been there in my life. And it was the best time. It was so cool. Like I, the comedy shows were great, but just being in New Orleans and going around and looking at shit, like that's the dream now is just to be able to go to cities I've never been to and just fucking be a tourist and then at night do a comedy show. And all that feeds into the crom stuff you're doing. Yeah. It's getting all these people connected, people with the same mindset, which that's why we were the first two years, we were very selective where it's like, we only want the people that we know or like DIY mindset and that and that. And that worked, but this year it's like, fuck, there's probably people we've never met. You know, there's people out there. So let's do open submissions where it's like 20 bucks to submit. And then that money just goes directly into the fucking fest, which first year we lost money where we were emptying our bank accounts to cover shit. And that was a brutal, but it, everyone got, we took care of everything we needed to take care of. We lost a bunch of money, but it worked. And it was fucking fun. Second year, we barely broke even, which was like, holy shit. We didn't have to like sell any of our shit <laughs> this is good so this year i don't anticipate making money since now we're doing denver too and i think the denver fest is going to lose money but omaha will make enough to cover so that's ugh, just such a it's such it's such a dumb thing to do <laughs> it's yeah. dumb like i think at this, is it though at the, i mean people love it it's positively affecting omaha and it's linked up so many cool comedians that I feel good about it but the amount of fucking stress and like mentally what I go through sometimes it seems like it's not worth it and like because I'm not doing it for any personal gain I'm not doing it to make money I'm not doing it to make myself like a comedy superstar because I'm fucking not but it's just like last year I missed the after party to go move a bunch of merch by myself and I could have asked for help, but I was just so like, this has to be done. I have to do it. And that's like my mindset. I do 90% of everything with the yeah. festival. And I don't know if it's because I'm just like that fucking controlling <laughs> yeah. or just like that much of a martyr. <laughs> I just want to be like, I did everything. But, I, it, you know, coming from, uh, I, I did punk rock shows yeah. in Colorado Springs for years. I think it kind of, for me, was a little bit of both. Yeah. You know, and then also, but... And DIY mindsets, do it yourself. So I don't want to be like, hey, guys, you guys should go do this. And so I'm like, I can fucking do it. I'm going to go do it. Well, I'm also guilty of being the guy on Facebook. Can anybody help me with this? I ask for so much help yeah. so often. It's yeah. like, oh, I've, I've ruined all, you know, I've closed all those. Well, not all, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. You know, so now it's just like, I'm going to do it myself. But at the end of the day, there's also like a certain, I, I, I'm like, look at what I fucking did. Yeah, dude. You know, and, and I'm sure you get that too. Even like, though you're losing money, you're like, Look, yeah, I'm yeah. Like built. you know, with all, I have so much fucking pride in Omaha that if anybody ever talks shit or does anything negative in Omaha, I take it extremely personally. Right. I'm like, how fucking dare? Like, I love, I love Omaha. I'm Omaha forever, but I had to leave because I had become the guy in Omaha. You you, where, you hit that glass ceiling, and yeah. it's like, well, there's not a whole grow. lot. You know, Omaha is a great scene, but it's very limited. I could fucking home base out of Omaha forever, though, and just do the Midwest. But in my mind, I wanted to challenge 
and I want to, like Denver was a hot scene up and coming and it's like I want to be a part of that I want to contribute you know and I want to be challenged I want to have to work because Omaha God the last time I did Olivers in Omaha I did 45 minutes half of it was just new half-baked premises <laughs> and it killed because it was like just my fucking people like my friends my family like people that like I could not but, and just doing that forever would be such a bummer I could do Omaha forever and feel like I'm the greatest comedian. Just like, oh, I fucking killed, dude. But it's like, yeah, but I'm like, you know, it's not hard. It's not a challenge. And so, like, I just, I love Omaha. It's the goddamn best. And leaving sucked. I think about Olivers all the time. I just want to be at Olivers because I was just, like, my home base. The comedians always have, like, a home club that's a comedy club. Like, most guys here, it's comedy works. If anybody asks me, it's Olivers. And if they look it up, it's just like a dive bar. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, I mean, this room we're in is bigger than Olivers, I think. Yeah, dude. You know, <laughs> and this I think Three Kings is kind of my shit here because it's very DIY, very punk rock, like ethos, very just like yeah. And they take care of their own too. I mean, like, yeah. Uh, I worked with Jim for years. I would bring shows like to him and be like, hey, th- this this band wants to come through, and we would work together. And yeah, I move up to him. He's like, welcome. Yeah. Why haven't you been here? You know, he's been, he's, I, I'm doing as much, you know. Yeah, like bragging, he, he but, transformed you know. this space into a comedy venue, and yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, looking at it, it looks like a bunch of fucking junior high kids threw a sheet up, because we did. We yeah. put this fucking sheet up. I love it. Instead of getting a screen, we walked across the street to Goodwill and got a screen. And I just love that. I love that how punk rock it is, how it's not like we have this state-of-the-art shit. And it's, like, already set up for us to do whatever we want. Like, we had, you know, through them, the other shows here, we're all fucking doing it together and making it something. And I'm so stoked on that. And, like, with, uh, I want to say something else about Krom, but now I can't remember. Well, yeah. I made it sound like in this fucking, like, whatever, like, I do so much work and shit. And it's, it is, but it's, like, I've kind of figured out that's what I'm good at. I'm good at this. So why not do it? And I think a lot of people... You know, I put more into helping other people and making cool shit happen than I do my own. I don't like to self-promote too much. It's big in comedy. Be it just over self-promoting, putting yourself over, like, blah, blah, blah. And I just never, like... Will you teach me to be better at that? Yeah, dude. It's just (laughs) being very, like, and I'm a fucking sociopath. Like, I have so many weird tendencies that I grew out of and learned how to be a better person that, like, now, like... I have to mentally, like, I'll just, someone will say something negative about Chrome and I just want to destroy, I'm, like, I'm going to fucking destroy it. And I just have to be like, dude, you can't make everybody happy. You can't, like, some people just aren't going to fucking get it. They're not going to understand that, because there's so much entitlement in comedy, and now that there's, like, young, shitty, entitled punk rock dudes coming up that just think, like, oh, now I'm the hot thing. Yeah. And like, we're, we're coming out straight out of Lawrence, Kansas. We're going to be the like hottest shit ever we don't need to play by comedy's rules and it's like well one you do on some levels but uh, I, I like that you added the some levels part because yeah. you didn't necessarily play you by have, rules there's like uh, there are guidelines yeah there's you know? guidelines and plenty of it like don't wear shorts on stage I did that forever <laughs> you look it's, it's so many comedians say it and I was like why that doesn't make any sense it doesn't matter what you wear on stage but like for some reason when I look at pictures of me wearing shorts on stage I'm like that person looks like a fucking idiot <laughs> But then I'm the dude wearing sleeveless shirts where I've just become that person. And I'm like, have you guys never been to a punk show? I've looked like everyone else there. The way I dress is exactly like so many dudes yeah. that we both know. 
But within the comedy world, I'm yeah. this weird, crazy person with no sleeves and a jean jacket. So that's yes. like my brand yeah. or whatever. I, I held out for years. Like, I, I cut my sleeves off my first shirt about a year ago. The first Riot Fest in Denver, I was like, it's too hot. Cut the sleeves off. And yeah. it's like, <gasps> where Dude. has this been all my life? Yeah, the sleeveless thing, it's, it's so comfortable. The other, the big thing for the sleeveless thing with me is the shirts I get too fat for. I cut the sleeves off and they fit better. Really? No one really understands that. Well, for me, they don't fit here. Yeah, yeah. But like with me, it's I'm, I have a small upper body and a big gut. So you cut the sleeves off and it just suddenly huh. fits better. So most of my, it's people, like I'll have a shirt on that I just got and someone will be like, why don't you cut the sleeves off? And it's like, because it fucking still fits, dude. <laughs> I'm not cutting this shit. I just bought it. <laughs> like it's all my old like fucking mediums and like yeah. weird shaped larges that I'm cutting sleeves <laughs> off of. And that was a punk thing. Like it was, there was no like... Yeah. You know, people are like you want to show off your tattoos. I'm like, my tattoos are fucking stupid. I mean, you have an alkaline trio tattoo, yeah, an alkaline which I love. Trio tattoo. I have a tattoo of the buffalo that says party, and then I have the fucking uh, Dracula puppet from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. That's not shit to brag about. <laughs> like, be like, hey, look how tough I am. I have a Dracula puppet. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, getting into the mind. Like, here's what worked for me because I was such a selfish, just fucking piece of shit for like most of my twenties. Every relationship I had was very selfish with women, with friends. It was all just based on me and what I could get. And I realized it was like a kind of a fucking sociopath. And just being a white, entitled man who had like parents that just did anything for me, which they're the coolest now. And like they're super proud that I'm just this weird fucking talking human now. But I think when I realized what I was and how I was treating people, and then. There was a Paint It Black song called Sacred, and the lyrics to that, and a lot of Dillinger 4 lyrics too, but specifically that song, like, broke me down the first time, because it's about, like, I used to feel safe and, like, just being a shitty person, but then realizing how you're affecting other people and trying to give more than you take, and, like, that, that just became my thing, like... If I'm going to be selfish in something, I have to be unselfish in twice as many things. If I'm going to try to do something for myself, I want to make sure I'm doing. Like, and, uh, like, Zach Reinert, one of the funniest comedians ever. He was in Omaha. No one knew who he was. And I was like, this dude's so fucking funny. He's so funny. People need to know who this dude is. So I was like, I'm putting him on Chrome. I'm going to put him in a spot where everybody's going to fucking see this dude. And he destroyed. Yeah. Last year, it had the number one best set. Instantly won over all the comedians that are there, where they're like, fucking this dude's the best. I put him on Fest this year. He only did one show when everyone else was doing two. So we had this weird thing where it's like, well, we'll give newer people, like, blah, blah, blah. And it doesn't make sense now, because now he should fucking headline. But uh, he did one set, and Chris Gethard watched mm. and tweeted, like, my favorite new comedian is Zack Ryder. Nice. And a lot of people... They'll see that and they'll be like, well, fuck, I was there too, man. And like, I had that for a second where the selfish part of like, well, fuck, I put this all together. Like, yeah. God damn it. But then it was just overpowered by the fact like, fuck yeah, dude. I helped like expose a person who is good and great to good things. Yeah. And yeah, it pisses me off when fucking he gets way more attention on the internet than I yeah. do. But you know what? I just have to put handsome pictures of myself up because he he can't look as fashionable and cool as me <laughs> he can write a million amazing jokes and that's why we're good friends 
I, I have those ego tendencies too, where I'm like, I'm fucking great too. Why aren't yeah, you guys yeah. noticing me? And I'm like, yeah. wait a minute. Doesn't matter how many people download it. Yeah. Matters that I love sitting here in this basement drinking a beer, yeah, talking man. to you, and I'm like, I'm gonna walk away from this like feeling good. Yeah, there's so much, yeah. and that's what comedy like. You want to kill. You want the crowd to think you're great, and you know if you do that, that's awesome. But I really get into where someone sees me do something, yeah. and they're like, I want to do that. Like, and being in scenes like Denver, there's been a lot of new comedians, like especially. I'm way big on female comedians and not the way that most male comedians are where they're just trying to fuck yeah. everyone and ruin scenes. Like, I want female voices to be heard and I want to do everything I can to help that happen because there needs to be more yeah. of that. And I'll write like a blog about how there needs to be more women in comedy and I get shit on by a bunch of fucking white neckbeard dudes that, are, <laughs> that think like... Because there's this weird backlash where some dude ugh, posted on Facebook when he didn't get into crom something about like oh, I guess I'm not black or female enough. And it's like, dude, you just weren't fucking funny. Like, we had a mission statement for Crom that was like, listen, what we care about putting on our festival is, it was written, I wrote it, like, everything I write is just, boom, like, it's vomiting. I write it, and I don't spell check, I don't do anything. So people always want to be like, well, you said this and that. I was like, dude, I barely remember writing it. I just fucking had to get it out of my head. We wrote this mission statement where it's like, we don't like sexist, homophobic, racist, like white dude comedy we, we're not into that what we're trying to spread and bring up is like different voices like and fucking like the propaganda of comedy like we want <laughs> we want shit because propaganda yeah. was such I mean, a huge influence besides the meat shit yeah i was on board where uh, as a teenager in fucking columbus nebraska to hear a song about like when i was nine i tried to fuck a friend of mine when he turned eight i turned 10 14 years later it happened again with another friend this time it was me on the receiving end for some reason i can i remember every single propaganda lyric but i don't remember like most of high school <laughs> but like just to be like whoa okay like i've never met a gay person in columbus nebraska so it's like wow that's like holy shit this is like exposing me to that you know there's yeah. other people out there and then like the whole anti-racist stuff and it's just like yeah like there weren't a lot of black people in columbus nebraska but it's just like being exposed to that and i think that's why racism exists because people don't get exposed to that in their fucking little bubbles and they're not black people are all like this and gay people are monsters that are going to ruin everything it's because they never fucking like thought about it or heard any kind of like the so we're trying to do that with comedy because in omaha there was a huge thing with like rape jokes and all these comedians trying to be edgy because they're just young and dumb and we came out hard against that I was like you can't do our shows if you do that shit which people are like how dare you censor and it's like I'm not censoring shit I'm saying you can't do our shows you can do whatever you want yeah. anywhere else but not on our shows because we had a complaint the slowdown in Omaha owned by Saddle Creek one of the best fucking venues in the country were cool enough just to let us do shows in their front room most of the staff and the manager were female and they're like there's a lot of like just like rapey bad shit and it kind of makes a lot of us uncomfortable and I was like me too and I never like I was like fuck it well fine like I don't I'd rather lose some shitty comedians than yeah. a venue that supports us and is cool to us so that kicked off a whole thing where then it was like that we were the comedy police telling people and I'm like I'm not telling anybody what to do you can go fucking suck wherever you want dude if you want to do our shit you have to like be cool and yeah. there were so many like Zach Reiner bless his heart initially was on the other side 
which because he we talked about it a lot later but he eventually was like wow okay this all makes sense what these guys are doing and now he's like a fucking champion of women and fucking cool comedy and he fucking goes after dudes on the internet it's fantastic but like that's what it's all about it's about like I fucking wrote the thing about women in comedy and there are people like you're not you're a white guy how dare you blah 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 but there were female comedians in the midwest that's like no one like I go to open mics I get sexually harassed men treat me like crap this you know this means a lot to me and I give a shit way more about that than like looking like I'm just fucking like people talk shit about bloggers and call out culture and it's like fuck dude like I'd rather help someone that's struggling than make some fucking entitled dick feel good about themselves you know what I'm saying and it's like yeah so just comedy is just kind of gross but it's it's experiencing a renaissance right now with a lot of the shit. I'm sure you've seen some of it online, just yeah. the crazy shit happening. Well, I, I saw the comedy police mm-hmm. meme that was going on where you guys were all making yeah. badges. And we have shirts and now, dude. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, what the fuck? And now it all makes sense. Yeah, I have no idea what it yeah, meant. Because somebody, some dude was like, you're the comedy police. And it's like, okay, fine. Yeah. We'll be, I'll be that. I'll tell you you're a fucking racist hack, that you're lazy. You should try harder. You should work harder. If you want to be a part of, and like right. how I treated Omaha was like, if you were a shithead, you didn't get shit from me. You didn't get fucking shit unless I saw you working hard and doing something. I'd be like, fine, here's a shot. And so many people like are into placating assholes where it's like, well, we just got to give this asshole what they want. And I'm like, dude, nah. you can make people see like your side by one, just talking to them straight up or two, by just not letting them have anything that they want. And they learn that. And it's, ugh. So I'll fucking gladly be the comedy police, dude. Like, it needed, it needs, it needs different, it needs different points of views. It needs different mindsets. If it was the same fucking everybody trying to be Bill Hicks or Joe Rogan forever, like, what would comedy be? It'd be fucking garbage. It'd be stupid. If there were no women, like, women are only this. Okay, well, it's just white dudes doing comedy. Look how cool and interesting it is. Boring. Just like music. If music was just 311, which... (laughs) I love I love 311 because they're from Omaha and I do iron, ironically and unironically enjoy their music. But if all music was that, it'd be like fuck, dude. Yeah. If all music was Pantera, it'd be boring. Which Pantera fucking rules. And I try to explain that to people that you have to approach comedy like music. You can't be like, oh, I know what comedy is. I went to a comedy club once. It's like, no, you yeah. can't. Like that'd be like being like, I went to, I saw Rod Stewart play at the Pepsi Center, so I know what all music's like. You know what I'm saying? There's so many different kinds. There's so many different places. And that's my big thing with comedy is getting it out there so people understand it. We fought forever in Omaha and now, like, the OK Party dudes are in the World Herald, which is, like, you know, that's getting noticed. And it was a struggle. And then Denver has a very good where Westward and Denver Post support comedy, but it's still getting it out to people. People in the suburbs just don't know. And there's even good friends of mine and yours that are just like what there's comedy it's like yeah, dude yeah. how the fuck like this is i've been doing this for like six years how the fuck do you not know well yeah i mean it, to that point and to another point i know people well into their 30s were like i've never seen a band play live and i'm like oh dude I'm like how do you how, what do you do on the weekends yeah like uh preston Tompkins is an awesome omaha comedian that basically got overshadowed because he moved here at the same time as me or, me and reiner so you have reiner the joke machine and me fucking the charismatic david lee roth shithead and then Preston, but Preston definitely overshadowed, needs to be on more shit, and he's starting to get on more shit. He uh, had never been to a punk show, 
and he lived was here and I was like we're gonna go see Dillinger 4 oh, and it was wow. that, that show which but it was like Pinhead Circus fucking destroyed and so they were like that was great what was that that happened and I was like oh that uh, that kind of happens but not to that extreme at Dillinger 4 shows but yeah and then like Reiner I turned him on to music I'm like dude check out this band check out this band because he just you know that's a lot of people don't get exposed to that. Yeah. And so he's like fucking loves pup. Him and Preston went and saw Chumped and Jeff Rosenstock and they were so stoked. I, so, I forgot to request the day off and had to work. Yeah, I missed it too and I felt like <laughs> shit. But dude, that's, that's the thing that sucks about being our age. I remember going to every single punk show. When we lived in Columbus, we would drive two hours. Yeah. Like three times a week to go to Omaha to see shows. Well, I, I, I grew up in North Louisiana, in mm-hmm. Shreveport, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a town called Longview that did shows, uh, Longview, Texas, an hour away. Yeah. Then you'd go to Dallas three hours away to see the other shows. Yeah. So when I moved to Colorado Springs, I was like, let's go to Denver to see the show, and everybody like, oh, it's an hour away. I'm like, yeah, it's only an hour away. Yeah, yeah. And now that I live here, I'm like, oh, it's only six blocks away. <laughs> let's go. I still have that 18-year-old, like, let's yeah, fucking dude. go. Only sometimes it's like, oh, I worked 40 hours this week. Yeah, I get that too, but fucking comedy shows ruin me. Because comedy shows are usually 90 minutes long. It's very boom, 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 boom. All right, you're done. Rock shows now when a band's setting up for 20 minutes, I'm like, fuck, what the fuck? I get so upset. I'm like, why is no one making this faster? Like, what are you guys doing? It should be boom, boom, boom. So it kind of ruined that for me. But I'm like, I think the only shows I've gone to since moving here with that Dillinger 4 show went saw the Dirty Few yep. a couple times because I fucking love those dudes and then uh, Cursive yeah. I think that's it I'm pretty sure I saw you at all three of those yeah I don't remember the Dillinger 4 show because that was my second birthday I don't remember yeah. if I talked to you or not <laughs> there's so many amazing shows that have happened yeah. around those that I haven't where I'm like but I'm like I'm also like I just don't have the patience anymore right. for it and it sucks but I still love the music and I still love the scene but it's just like such a struggle for me to be out. But you're busy in your own way. Yeah, own I'm doing way. shows so all the time too. You don't have to too. apologize. There's no. But I just feel shitty because I should. And there's so many wrestling shows that I don't go to, where I'm like, I should. I love wrestling. What? Like I just disliked going to live wrestling forever. Love to watch it. Love to like read about it. But why aren't you going to like WWE at like a big stadium? Because that fucking sucks. No. It's not fun. It's not right there where I yeah. can touch it. Yeah. Uh, we've been talking for over an hour. Can you believe it? Dude, I could talk for I know. five hours. But, I, <laughs> but will they listen? Actually, like, uh, I bet they will because you're, as you said, charismatic David Lee Roth-esque. Do you say David Lee Roth? Yeah. I couldn't remember if it was him or the other one. Just um, all flash and no substance. <laughs> but, like, but I, but I want to use this to help hopefully people listen to this and come to Crom Denver. You're yeah. worried about it. Um, May 29th to 31st. So what, what, what can they expect, these Denver guys? How different is it from High Plains for those that went to High Plains last year? Dude, High Plains is fucking so great. Uh, Adam and Andy do such an awesome job on it. Adam Kate Holland's my favorite comedian in the world. I'm just obsessed with him, <laughs> which is hilarious because, and we we're very good friends. We've traveled a little bit together, and like we'll both talk about real life shit, and which I love because I I don't do that with a lot of people. Not a lot of people even know what's happening in my life. Oh, I didn't know any of that. Otherwise, very, I would have brought it all up. Yeah, I'm very. That's what I like to talk. I'm about. I'm very personal, uh, like er, private. Yeah. I don't talk about like who I'm dating, what I'm doing, and it's not anything against them or that. It's just I don't, I just don't think it's anybody's fucking business. And I like to compartmentalize everything in my life. Here's comedy. Here's who I'm dating. Here's my family. Here's this, you know. And like, uh, just Adam has such. He's so smart. Has such an amazing perspective. And has done so many things. 
But like if you on paper we should not get along. Yeah. He's very preppy. He's very like you know, and he knows that. And I'm very punk rock and sloppy. But holy yeah, shit. Yeah, I, I would have figured you and Ben Roy were best friends forever. Me and Ben Roy get along, but not on that level. It's so weird. Yeah. And Orvidal and I, because Orvidal's punk, he loves a lot of punk and metal bands, which not a lot of people know about. They just think he's the weird Lego guy. But him and I, like, he turned me on to, like, Kavalta Rock and bands like that. Like, he's great. But, like, it's just, and it's the weirdest thing that, like, that's the dude out of those three that, like, I don't know. It's very meaningful and strange, but I'm into it. But, uh, and that's one of the reasons I moved to Denver. And so them doing their festival, which him and Jude even said, like, because they went to Crom the first year, and they're like, holy shit, we could do this in Denver. Yeah. And then High Plains. Uh, and you saw sh- that from Fest. You were yep. like, fuck, I And the Chicago this. people that did Crom now have a festival, the Chicago Expo, which is huge and amazing and so great. So all these people are now doing their own Croms, and just that we can bring it to Denver. And it's, it's like, High Plains, they're going to bring in, like, I, I've heard some of the comedians they're going to bring. It's going to be fucking dope. It's going to be amazing. And they're doing like this, just big swinging for the fences, awesome festival. And ours, I wanted it to be more community, more punk rock, more, we're bringing in people that maybe aren't just huge, amazing headliners. In my mind, they all are. But it's like someone that's going to fucking, like Guy Branham, Aparna Nancharala, Alan Strickland Williams. They're amazing. And it's so many different, varied voices that are just going to fucking, like, ugh, it's ridiculous. And so Crom's going to be more party, which High Plains is a party. They're very, they're, there's a lot of similarities and a lot of differences, but I, they're both going to rule. And hopefully Crom does well. <laughs> We're trying to incorporate as many local shows into it, too, to just, like, help local shows and then, you know, just contribute. Because that's my big thing is... I don't want to just come to Denver and just be like, here I am, I'm a hot shot. Yeah. I want to be like, I want to help newer comedians. Like, I try to book anytime I can newer people that aren't getting opportunities. And then also just to make Denver look cool. I made yeah. fucking Omaha, Nebraska look cool for comedy, which was a four-year effort. <laughs> Denver's already dope as hell, already has a really amazing comedy scene. If I can make it a little more cooler, I feel good. Yeah. And so with, uh, you know, the Grawlicks, they're making those who can't. Yep. The Grawlicks itself, the monthly show is kind of going to go away for a while. Yeah. Do you see yourself as somebody who can step in and fill those uh, shoes, maybe? There's, there was a lot of talk about that. There's, we have some plans. Uh, a lot of them involve Virgil. Yeah, of course. Because <laughs> Virgil's literally the guy that knows everyone and can do, pull off amazing things. And I love him so much. He's like the best human ever. Yeah. Some of the best things I pulled off in the Springs Book and Shows yep. through Virgil. Virgil's, Virgil Dickerson is a saint and such a huge part of why Denver rules. I mean, I think it's going to take a community to fill any kind of shoes. It's going to yeah. take everybody stepping up because Denver already has such a great scene. It just needs to like be more aware of what else is going on. Because what I noticed in Denver is all very... like. We're, we're an amazing scene. We're all crushers. And it's like, have you guys been out to fucking Austin lately? Like, have you guys been to fucking anywhere lately? Like, everybody's stepping up. Everybody's kind of, like, you have to, like, be aware of what's happening everywhere else while stepping your game up. So hopefully, Crom kind of brings that. Like, a lot of people from out of state that will just come here and crush and make friends with Denver people and make friends with each other and just spread that mindset. Cool. Yeah. And when is Crom again? May... It's in Omaha, May 22nd through 24th. Denver, May 29th through the 31st. Oh, yeah. Where can people buy tickets? (laughs) No idea. Go to Crom, 
cromcomedyfest.com. They'll be up eventually. Yeah. This whole one-man army thing. <laughs> it's like I'm, well, the, here's the deal about Crom right now. It's like a month and a half away. The lineups are finally set. We're waiting on one venue, which that's great. That's good to have. That dr- doesn't drive me insane yeah. every single day of my life. And uh, pricing, we've kind of figured out. A lot of those shows are going to be free. That's why we're kind of like, fuck it. Like, if we lose money, we just want to do something cool. We want Denver to get behind it. And it's just fucking... Because that's what it's, it's all about. Yeah. Just... People all fucking working together to make cool shit happen. Well, brownpapertickets.com is a good ticketing yeah. resource, if you don't know that already. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, because I think for the, since we're doing upstairs and downstairs here at Three Kings, we'll probably just do like a flat charge because there's six shows happening that Saturday here. And I don't want to be like, all right, it's $5 in advance, $8 day of for yeah, each yeah. show so they have to clear out the room. It's just like fucking one flat fee for the entire yeah. goddamn evening. I don't care. Like, let's make it as easy for, ev- like, everyone as possible. It's easy for the venues. It's easy for people wanting to come out. Yeah. Which Omaha is a slam dunk because I already know goddamn everything about every venue and every way to do everything there. But So Denver's been a, a fun learning curve, but people have definitely helped out, and that's good. Nice. And it feels good to make something. Yeah. You know? Just making something. Just which, not leading up to it. Which the, the nightmares. <laughs> here's the double-edged thing with making something like Crom happen is I start to second-guess myself as a comedian because people, when they first meet me, they'll be like, oh, yeah, you're that crom guy. So, like, how do I submit? How do I... Oh, and then they'll be like, oh, you're hilarious. And it's like, do you think I'm hilarious because I'm actually right. hilarious or because you want something from me? And I could see it both, you know. So most people that tell me I'm funny, I'm like, okay, you just want to do crom. That's fine. Because <laughs> I'm very self-aware of my level of comedy. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, all these people are saying I'm funny. I must be great. And then it's some of those same people are the people that, when they're not involved, get furious and go on tirades. And it's like, oh, okay. So you're only my friend because you wanted something. And I want to be a good comedian. And I want to be good at this. And I wish they could stay separate. But I feel like I'm, in my mind, is always going to be like, I'm just the guy that makes cool things happen. I'm a subpar comedian, but I'm very good at making things happen. <laughs> so, you know, why not? I'll just keep making cool things happen. <laughs> and uh, do you find it's... Let's try to leave it on some kind of positive <laughs> mental... I'm not that a that's terrible not good, comedian. But no, um, how easy is... Do you find it to make things cool things happen? How easy is it to get up off the couch and be like, it's, I'm going to go fucking do this and it's, do it? I think punk rock helped, because I know a lot of people that can do that were already into the punk rock... Like, if you want something cool to happen, you, have to, you can't wait for someone to hand it to you. Yeah. You can't wait to get discovered. You just fucking do whatever you want to do. Just do it. Just fucking go out, do it, find people. The other thing is finding like-minded people and just going for it. And just, like, you're going to lose money. You're going to fucking get stressed out. You're probably going to hate it and want to quit like I do a lot. <laughs> but it's going to happen. You're going to fucking make it happen through, like, will... You know, and just being able to do something yourself like that is so much better than someone handing it yeah. to you. And, what, and, and, and what's cool, uh, I mentioned this the other day but to somebody else, but every time I feel like quitting, I'll take a look at my Instagram feed and be like, holy shit, look at all the shit I've gotten to do. Because yeah. I just fucking did it. And then it helps. That's that 10 seconds I need to get to the yeah. next. The next. Definitely. Yeah, I think step. everybody kind of faces that where at some point they're like, I, it'd be so much easier just to not have to deal with all this stress and all this hard work. But, I mean, that's what it is. It's stress and hard work, but at the end of the day, you get to get drunk with your friends and party. And then you get to meet new friends. Like, yeah, you're friends with Jason from the Fairlands. Yeah, Virgil, that was huge. Guys. That was, I was smitten. 
when <laughs> Virgil got him to come to a greater than collective show. I was way too weird about it. I was like, oh, sh-. it's like when I hang out the wrestlers now and I'm constantly touching them. And then I realize, I'm like, oh, I'm actually just touching this man's body way too much. Like, just his chest. Like, hey, Royce, how's it going, dude? Oh, wow, what's up? Like, molest- <laughs> You're real. I'm not asleep. Just me molesting strong boys. That's, that'll be my, uh, my legacy. But, yeah, life's just... And somebody asked me the other day, like, why do you do comedy? Because I asked them first. I was like, why do you do comedy? And they told me. I was like, you know what? Off the top of my head right now, I can't think of why I do comedy. And they're like, that sucks. That's depressing. You do all this stuff. Like, you're successful and you're doing all this stuff. That's me quoting them, not me. And I was like, you know, well, you're right. I need, there's, I shouldn't be, like, shitty just because, you know, life's not perfect. And so in my mind, it was, okay, why do I do comedy? Because making people laugh is awesome. It feels great. Making a room of people laugh is one of the best feelings ever. And then two, being able to use that to help other people and to create things is just the best shit. And I could die as just being the Cromfest guy. And it's like, well, fuck, that's something. Yeah. That's more than a lot of people ever get to do. So Maybe the next tattoo on your sleeveless shirt is a Crom tattoo. <laughs> Did you know that the party tattoo is now the official Crom tattoo? Where me and my friend Cody got it at the same time. Last year, Goodrich Gavart and Kevin White from Chicago got it at Crom from the same tattoo artist. So I think that's the new tradition is it's the Buffalo Sabres logo and then a party written on the Buffalo. <laughs> I think it's going to be the koozie design this year. Nice. So it's, life's just about doing cool shit with cool people and having fun. Boom. <laughs> that's, that's the moral of this very long story. Very good chat. Yeah, I should have told you it was going to be long. No, I knew it was. <laughs> I, and I worried, I worried like I, you saw all the notes I had on there. Yeah. I barely used any of them. I don't know why I worried. I don't know why I Hell yeah, didn't dude. sleep last night. All right, Ian. Uh, yeah, pop into cool shit sometime. Maybe we can do a set. I have. I'll make I you do a set. I don't do stand-up, though. Yeah, well, I, I used to think stand-up was stupid, and I could never do it. You I don't think to... it's stupid. I just... Well, I'm just saying I thought it was stupid. I still think it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but, dude, it's just all about... Uh, and that the big thing in Omaha was we had a thing called the battle... And we put brand new people who just like, yeah. I'd like to do stand-up into this battle situation where they have, we give them topics and blah, blah, blah. The majority of those people are now comedians that have been doing stand-up for two years. Like Ryan De La Garza, who's in OK Party, his first show is at one of our battles. It's, that's all it takes, man. Same with music, just fucking yeah. buying a guitar and fucking playing a shitty Green Day song. Comedy's the same. It's, there's so many different ways to approach it, so many cool things, and I'm still talking. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Well, let's, uh, let's go grab some more beers oh, or yeah, something dude. or whatever. <laughs> All right, buddies. Ian, thanks for hanging out and chatting with me, buddy. Uh, it was super fun. I can't wait to do it again. A- after this interview, me and Ian hung out and had a few more beers. Just kept bullshitting away. And, uh, man, we should do it more often, man. Next time we'll do another podcast. We'll talk about uh, our first punk rock records and all that good stuff like like I used to do. Uh, Ian, special thanks to you, buddy, for uh, – being a special part of the first episode of the Mostly Harmless Punk Rock talk shows at Mutiny. Um, you helped make it as special as it is. And, I, buddy, I don't know if I could have done it without you. So thanks for being a part of that, Ian. And, uh, buddies, please visit cromcomedyfest.com to find out 
all about Crump Comedy Festival. I also have the links over at mostlyharmlesspodcast.com. And uh, we'll keep talking about it for the next few weeks. But please check out Ian Douglas Terry. Uh, I will throw up links to his Mostly Harmless Live episode as well as his Bandcamp page and whatnot so you can find out more information about him. But just go see his festivals and give him money and sponsor him and all the good stuff so he can keep doing them, keep doing cool things. Hopefully you guys gleaned something from this and hopefully somebody out there will get up off their couch and make cool shit happen. Oh, speaking of cool shit, don't miss this show. Every Thursday in the Phoenix Room, Three Kings Tavern, 8 p.m., They'll be watching some wrestling, listening to some comedy, doing some cool shit. And uh, it's conveniently timed to take place at the same time as uh, Mostly Harmless Punk Rock Talk Show on April 9th. Immunity Information Exchange. But that's okay. Visit MostlyHarmlessPodcast.com. And, uh, buddies, I'm, I'm about out of rambling to do today. I think we did too much. It's a long episode. And uh, let's just get out of here. CrimeComedyFest.com. RatioBeerWorks.com. Make sure you check out their antidote release on April 11th. Uh, mostly harmless punk rock talk show april 9th and deathwishcopy.com keeping me uh lubricated caffeinated and all all the above all right buddies uh we'll see you in the funny pages now what the hell you rotten motherfucker